chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. And I want to begin reading with verse 36 through about verse 46. Matthew 26, verse 36 through 46. I want to share with you in a sermon that I've entitled, Our Crushing Moment. Our Crushing Moments. Our Crushing Moments. Matthew 26, 36 through 46. Verse 36, Then cometh Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, and they began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly or exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again the second time, and he prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came, and he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them, and he went away again, and he prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. Last week we had an opportunity, a privilege, a blessing to partake of the Lord's Supper. We dealt with verses 17 through 30. And Jesus had taken the Lord's Supper with his disciples. They went to observe the Passover, and after the Passover meal, he instituted the Lord's Supper. And after Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper there, he left the upper room with his disciples, traveled down through the through the valley, Kenyon Valley, to the back to Jerusalem. And he gets into he gets to Jerusalem. And he goes to a garden by the name of Gethsemane. Gethsemane, verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them to a place called Gethsemane. Now, in the Garden of Gethsemane, by the way, let me just say this. The word Gethsemane is a word which simply means olive press. Olive press. You know, the only way for you to enjoy the fruit of the olive is for the olive to be crushed. So Jesus is now at Gethsemane. He's... he's In the garden of crushing. 
Now, he's been suffering to some degree mentally. He's suffering in the context of the common cavalry, the common, guess, the common Golgotha, the common crucifixion. He's suffering. He's, he's sorrowful. He's discouraged. He says he's even sorrowful unto death. Now, remember, Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. He's, he's deity and he's human. In his humanity, he, experiences, he experienced everything that we experience. In his divinity, he conquered everything that we have to deal with. And with that in mind, in our humanity, we deal with a lot of stuff. We have a lot of struggles. However, in His divinity, we can be overcomers. Now, keep in mind, His soul is grieved, His soul is distressed, His soul is sorrowful, even unto death. Now just think about it, if Jesus wasn't willing to be crushed, we could have not have been saved. So the question is, what crushed Jesus on the cross? Um, was it the hammer? It wasn't the hammer that crushed him. It wasn't the nails that crushed him. It wasn't the crown of thorns that crushed him. It wasn't this this heavy cross that was laid upon his shoulder that crushed him. I believe, personally, I believe that his crushing was that he knew that we needed him to become like us in order for us to become like him. He was going to have to become like us. And he was distraught. Now, I should have been the one that had been crushed by the wrath of God, not Jesus. He allowed the wrath of God to crush him. I also believe that he was distressed, not simply because the wrath of God was going to come upon him because of mankind's sins. I believe that he was distressed because he knew that heaven's face would turn from him. I mean, heaven's face would turn away from the beautiful Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 27. You can turn just over one chapter. But in verse 46, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lamat sabachthani? Question mark. Meaning, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God literally turned his face from his own son. Because God cannot look upon sin. So the face of heaven was turned from the Lord Jesus. Therefore, overcome by distress that we could have never imagined with anticipation of the crushing wrath of God, with anticipation of 
God's face turning from him and all loneliness as God would turn his face from him because God could not look upon sin, he became sin for us. And the Bible teaches that the anguish had such pressure upon Jesus that something happened within his coronary system that he began to sweat drops of blood. It's been said that a lot of things can press us into a bad place. So the question is, what could cause me to be so distressed? What's causing you to be so distressed? You may be so distressed this morning. So pressed down. What's causing that? Well, it could be what you're facing. Or it could be what you've experienced. Or it could be what you're choosing. But friend, listen, Jesus knows all about us. He knows all about you. He knows who you are, He knows where you are, and He knows what you're facing right now in your life. And He knows how to bring you through it. Maybe it was the the personal disappointments that caused Jesus anguish. Remember Judas? He taught Judas for, you know, taught Judas for a number of years in the ministry. He was a disciple of Christ. He had listened to Christ preach. He watched Christ perform his miracles. He taught Judas. He ministered to Judas. And then all of a sudden, he turned on Judas. Have you ever opened your life up to someone? I have. And for reason unknown and something that you cannot understand, they just... For whatever reason, they turn on you. Maybe it was his personal disappointments that caused anguish. You see, the point in the garden is that Jesus suffered anguish that was from heaven and anguish that was from earth. And this morning I want to give you Very briefly, three statements from this text to let you know that Christ speaks from experience in regards to struggles. You can jot these down. The first thing I jotted down, Jesus understands my struggle. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. God's Word says, For in that he himself had suffered being tempted, he is able to, the King James says, succor, which means to come to my aid. Or come to one's aid. To them that are tempted. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, being tested, he's able to come to the aid of those that are tempted and those that are tested. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, remember? And each temptation was designed in order for Jesus to avoid the cross. The devil was implying, 
Don't be crushed, Jesus, through his temptation. Don't be crushed. Jesus, you don't have to be crushed. Don't be crushed. Jesus, you don't have to be crushed. Then Peter adds his voice, if you remember, and he says, listen, it's not necessary, Lord, for you to die. I'll die in your place. I'll suffer in your place. I'll go to prison for you. I'll even give my life for you. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Stop trying Stop trying to imply that I don't have to be crushed and that I don't have to go to the cross. But see, if Jesus had not been crushed, he would have been in open revolt against God the Father. And how is that? Well, the work of salvation would have been left and all of mankind would have been damned to hell. But there... In the crushing place, in the garden, in the crushing place, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. See, don't forget, Satan's purpose for Jesus' life, Satan's purpose for our life is to get us to compromise our holiness, our sanctification, also to relinquish our submission to Jesus Christ, Therefore, in doing that, he, uh, we allow him to deflect God's purpose for our life. Be careful. Because if the, devil will detri- if the devil will try to deflect the will of God for the life of Jesus, he'll try to deflect the will of God for your life and for my life also. So temptation illustrates our struggle to remain true to God and, and to his will. Or to take pleasure in doing life and going through life our own way, doing our own thing, doing, being our own boss. Now notice Jesus said to his disciples, and he says to us, he said there in Matthew chapter 26, he said, I want you to sit here while I go and pray over there. Now remember in saying that Jesus is distressed and he knows what's coming and he knows about Judas and what's interesting, Jesus didn't use the normal word for pray that we normally see in the New Testament. He, the normal word we see for pray simply means to, to ask. It means to make supplication. Jesus uses a more intensive word which means praying to God only. Praying to God only. You see, there are times in our lives that nothing else will satisfy us in our life but God. There's nothing in our life that will satisfy us except God. God Himself. God speaks the words of life. God speaks the comfort that we need to hear. Friends can speak. Um, Counselors can speak. And they're important, and we need friends, and we need counselors. And they can tell us that everything is going to be okay. But it's different when God tells you it's going to be okay. I can remember at the tornado, the day of the tornado, and I ran to the top of the hill, and I looked down at the church and saw the church all caved in and saw, saw all the tombstones, all but ten, laying on the ground, 
just a, a, a small voice spoke to my spirit. Not an audible voice, but his spirit to my spirit said, everything is going to be okay. Now, I had a lot of people to tell me that. Had a lot of friend, friends to tell me everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be all right. And they meant well, but I'm going to tell you what, there's a difference when God tells you everything's going to be okay. And Jesus goes and He prays to the Father alone. He's wanting to hear a word from the Father. And Jesus said, I'm going over here to pray and, and I'm going to talk to God alone. Now this morning, some of you may have some issues in your life that no, no one can take care of but Jesus. You just need a word from God. And when you got saved, when I got saved, nobody met our needs but the one who understands our struggles. And that's Jesus Christ to Him. Only Him. And we need to press to Him. We need to press to Him. Because first, He's able to help those who are struggling. Press to Him. If you're struggling, you need to press to Jesus. Secondly, let me share this real quick. Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses. You know, the Holy Spirit was given to us to comfort us. The Holy Spirit comforts us by, by walking with us and by encouraging us. But Jesus sympathizes with us. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. He says, For we have, no, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But was, in, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now notice that again. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we have not a high priest. In other words, our high priest that we have, we don't have one that cannot be touched with feelings of our infirmities. The one we have can but was in all points, the reason he can, he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Notice, all points is very important. No, no one can say, or has the authority to say, that Jesus does not understand how I feel. You have no authority to say, Jesus don't know what I'm going through. Because he was tempted and tested in all points as we are. Regardless what you're going through, he has been there and he is Lord over what you're going through. He has all power and authority and control over what you're going through. He is our sympathizer. He's able to help those who are struggling. He sympathizes with our weakness because he's been there. Number three, I jotted down. Jesus strengthens our resolve with his promises. Have you ever heard someone say, man, I need some help. If I don't get some help, I'm not going to make it throughout the day. I'm, I'm just going, I just got to have some help. Somehow, Jesus strengthens his people in resolve. Sometimes when, when people go through difficult things, uh, they pull away from the church. You ever notice that? 
I mean, when I go through a difficult time in my life, I'm not going to pull away from God's people. I want God's people praying for me, encouraging me, praying for me, continuing to encourage me. Have you ever heard people say, well, the Lord's not going to put more on you than you can stand or you can bear? Now, some of you perhaps today, you've had a good day. You had a good last week, but there's some here today who are not having a good day perhaps, and you didn't have a good last week. There's some who really need God to show them why they should go another day. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Go back there a moment. We're about finished. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. He says, There hath no temptation, no test, no temptation, taken you, but such as coming to man. That's interesting. But God's faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that that you're able. Let's stop there just for a moment. He, he says, for, he says um, in verse 13, There's no temptation taken you. Some translations say, overtaken you there's nothing surprised you i mean you didn't see it coming it may have taken you by surprise but it didn't take jesus by surprise he's aware of it you may not have saw it coming but jesus saw it coming and someone said well has it ever occurred to you that this was said to me last week has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to god he's aware of it already Look at the verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as coming to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but but will with, that's important, underline with, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Whatever you're going through, first of all, he says, no temptation is taking you, but such is coming to man. Whatever you're going through in your life, it's comforting to know that hundreds of millions of people have gone through the same thing across this world. You're, you're not the only one that's ever experienced. I'm not the only one that's ever experienced what I'm going through. Millions and millions and millions of people in China and Africa and the United States and Japan and Indonesia, wherever, wherever in this world, others have gone through the same thing you're going through, the same thing that I go through. But the fact is, that strengthens my resolve in knowing that. Someone else has gone through what I'm going through. That strengthens my, my resolve. And if others made it through it, I can make it through it. Like the song says, God will make a way when there seems to be no way. My faithlessness doesn't alter God's faithfulness. He's there. So, when I'm not what I ought to be, He remains what He is. He's God. And He's not going to allow you or me to be tempted beyond what we're able. The devil will say this, yes, he will. You won't be able to make it through this. Man, you can't go through this. You've got a lot of hard days in ahead of you. There's no way you can make it through this. You just need to take the rope 
and go ahead. You need to take the pills. You need to go ahead. You're not going to be able. You're never going to come out of this. But Jesus strengthens the resolve of his people with his promises. And then God doesn't always save us from the fire. Sometimes God saves you in the fire. He's still the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Jesus Christ and the promises of God can strengthen your resolve. He takes the temptations. You see that in verse 13? There's no temptation taking you, but such is coming to man. But God's faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above all that you're able. But he, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. He takes the temptation. God, with the temptation. God, with the temptation. Let me go back just a minute. But will, with the temptation. He'll take it. Matthew 26, if you'll look back. And we close with this. Verse 46. Matthew 26, verse 46. After he prayed, he gets up and he says to his disciples, verse 46, Rise, let us be gone, behold He is at hand that doth betray me. He gets up off his knees in the garden. Another gospel says that he sets his face toward Jerusalem. My goodness, what resolve. Stoned face toward Jerusalem. He knew why he came, and he was willing to do what he came to do. God understands our struggles. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. And He strengthens our resolve through His promises. Let's bow our heads together. Father, thank You for all the time we have to come into Your presence, study Your Word. Last week we took the Lord's Supper. This week we went to the garden with Jesus, the garden of crushing. There are people who are at the garden today. They've prayed, they've been on their knees, they're crying out to You. They're they're not making supplications for others. They're not asking you for anything. Lord, they're just crying out to you, wanting to understand an answer. But Lord, in all the answers you give us resolve through your promises. You sympathize with us. You know you've been there. You know what we're going through. You know how we feel. You know the pressure. You know the stress. You know how the devil comes to us in those times and and tries to, to cause us to be deflected from your will for our life. But yet through your promises, Lord, our resolve, Lord, is, is lifted. And, and so we thank you for that this morning. I pray for each person that's here. Speak to their hearts. For those who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior of, your, of their life, I pray they'll come today. Lord, entrust you and only you for salvation. Father, I pray they'll come, and I pray for other decisions that will be made, perhaps transfer of memberships or, or whatever. I pray, Lord, that people will be, would respond to your Holy Spirit as he leads today. Thank you, Lord, 
for being there in our struggles, for sympathizing with us, and for giving us the resolve we need. It's going to be okay because we know that you're with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Going to ask Terry.